Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Earlier today, my producer, Brian Shanley, gave me an article from World Magazine. It was written by Eric Patterson, who's president of the Religious Freedom Institute in Washington, D.C. He's a former dean of the School of Government at Regent University, and he's a prolific writer and editor. Uh, He's included books like Just American Wars, Politics in a Religious World, Ending War as well. Well, in this brief article that Bryant showed me, he compares the national anthems of Switzerland, Mexico, France, Canada, Russia, with our own Star-Spangled Banner. I've never considered this before. Uh, According to Mr. Patterson, a comparison of these national anthems with our own shows that our own national anthem demonstrates a very healthy, balanced patriotism, appropriate for Christians, and that that's actually in stark contrast to some of the mystical, quasi-idolatrous language in some other national anthems. So let me just point out how countries do differ. France, for instance, um, is a very uh, militaristic national anthem. It's a, Actually, it's a rousing song of war. So this is from the French national anthem. Quote, do you hear in the countryside the roar of those ferocious soldiers? They're coming right into your arms to cut the throats of your sons, your comrades. Thus, to arms, citizens. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, bloodshed is common in the uh, national anthem of Mexico. It repeatedly speaks of spilled blood. And even uh, envisioning uh, a tomb of honor. Canada's national anthem is very different. It focuses on the beauty of the land. O Canada, where pines and maples grow, great prairies spread, and lordly rivers flow. Some anthems are kind of prayers or thanksgivings. Uh, Switzerland, for instance. Pray, free Swiss, pray, for you feel and understand that God dwelleth in this land. And then you've got national anthems that pledge slavish obedience to the fatherland or the motherland, to the government, or to some ruling ideology. These are anthems that um, use a sacred vocabulary. They assert a spiritual nationhood. They uh, uh, articulate a divine destiny for the country. Russia's anthem is a good one uh, to look at in this respect. Russia is our sacred state. Russia is our beloved country, a mighty will, great glory, your dignity for all time. Be glorified, our free fatherland. Well, its Russian anthem claims a collective Russian spirit, which is a mystical historical force that's consecrating the land. Russia is our beloved country, a mighty will. I mean, this is a kind of a supernatural uh, Russian destiny here. Vladimir Putin talks about it as the Russian mir, M-I-R. It means Russian world or peace. Uh, he's speaking of a Russian civilization, which is actually an ideological, cultural, and geographic domain that encompasses Ukraine and Georgia and Chechnya, Belarus, and other neighbors. And where's the source of the people's strength? Not in a transcendent God, but by faith in the imminent fatherland. Listen to this. We are given strength by our fidelity to the fatherland. So it was, so it is, and it will always be so. Be glorified, our free fatherland. Well, you know, this is 
this is a form of idolatry, actually. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's golden idol uh, is an example of this. The Nazis' Aryan fatherland was another example of it. They sacralize the land. They sacralize the blood. And they sacralize the nation. The U.S. National Anthem is robustly patriotic, as you would expect, but it's rather understated by comparison. We don't call our nation the fatherland. It does not demand unquestioning fidelity or loyalty. The American sense of nationhood is much more modest. Its purpose is to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. There's no talk to a mighty will superior to the surrounding nations. You know, Oh Say Can You See is the poem that Francis Scott Key wrote during the War of 1812. And let me just, a little tangent here. Francis Scott Key was an enthusiastic Episcopalian, devout, prominent, almost became an Episcopal priest. His letters are full of biblical passages. He was active in uh, Frederick, Maryland, in All Saints Parish near his family. He helped found or financially support several uh, Episcopalian parishes. Uh, he founded two Episcopal seminaries, or helped found, one in Baltimore, the other uh, in uh, across the Potomac River in Alexandria. And he even published a prose work called The Power of Literature and Its Connection with Religion. So I think it's fair to say that Francis Scott Key, given how conscientious he was as a Christian thinker, wrote The Star-Spangled Banner as an expression of his Christian understanding of government and nationhood. In fact, the rarely sung final verse really illustrates an appropriate patriotism for Christians. Oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Our blessings are from above, not a result of our own moral superiority or military might. American citizens might be called upon to defend their neighbors or their homes. Self-defense is a just cause. But we aren't called to conquest uh, over weaker nations. The military actions envisioned in our national anthem are in pursuit of peace, not the glory of the fatherland. Uh, We're to turn back an aggressor. We're not to impose an ideology on him. In fact, America was called a heaven-rescued land as it was fighting off the War of 1812. Um, And here are the most stirring lines, I think, I I love. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave, end quote. Our national government does not have divine carte blanche to coerce our citizens or bully weaker countries. There's no American moral superiority. America is called to a moral reckoning. If we are to be successful, it's going to be tied to our sense of justice. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Obviously, we've got our you know, national motto in there, in God is our trust. But the patriotic Christian recognizes that no ideology or party or government or nation is the center of our moral compass. There is no such thing as America right or wrong. God is at the center, not the fatherland, not Mother Russia. And this balanced Christian patriotism is rarely seen or understood because 
teaching about the American founding, including the Declaration, is rare. July 4th is only, has become only a time for picnics and bear, beer and some family fun. I like picnics, beer, and family fun. Yesterday, my clan and friends, about 50 of us, including children, met at Independence Lake north of Ann Arbor, erected an American flag in the trees there, let our kids and grandkids play games, swim, boat, and eat under that flag. Nobody gave a teaching or preaching, but we knew we were there to celebrate the Declaration of Independence. You know, few take civics classes these days. And American history classes are frequently geared towards reciting our many sins. Our people, even our Christian people, are clueless. The genius of the American founding is lost on us. In our day, freedom is no longer about liberty to do what we ought, but license to do as we please. And the founding fathers to a man, and they were all men, except you might want to smuggle in Abigail Adams with her husband John. But this group of American elites, because they were taken largely from America's upper crust, they did know that political liberty could not be sustained without an educated and virtuous citizenry. And that's a major difference between the late 18th century American elites and 21st century American elites. In the 18th century, those who exercised power and accumulated wealth in the colonies were not necessarily more personally virtuous. Some weren't. But they all did believe that a free people had to use their freedom virtuously or they would lose it. Not all would, but the connection between freedom and virtue needed to be in the American mind. And that's so important to keep in mind. I, people always say, well, you thought people were more virtuous in the 18th century. No. But I do know that those who founded this country linked. Well, what can you say? George Washington's farewell address, for heaven's sakes. Religion and morality are indispensable supports to political prosperity and freedom. That was the common mind of the founders. In 1941... Archbishop Fulton Sheen wrote a book called The Declaration of Dependence, which makes my point. The Declaration of Independence, he writes, is a declaration of dependence. We are independent of dictators because we are dependent on God. God is the necessary factor. Excuse me. God is the necessary factor in our salvation. As a result, he is to be at the center of our lives. His waves ought to permeate every aspect and area of our lives, education, employment, pleasure, mourning, socializing. All is done in sight of the omnipotent Lord, and all we do should be done reflecting this knowledge. Our every action should be filled with the love of our Savior. I'm speaking here from... Archbishop Fulton Sheen's book, A Declaration of Dependence, from 1941. It then makes the link very clear. Our Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Declaration of Independence, affirms that liberty is an unalienable right because it is a gift of the Creator. In other words, it makes us independent of tyrannies and dictators by making a declaration of dependence on God. Um, you know, there's that quote that's attributed to Alexis de Tocqueville. Uh, Tocqueville never made it, but it's still a good thought. America is great because America is good. If America ever stops being good, it will stop being great. 
again, the linkage there is between liberty and virtue, between political prosperity and greatness and virtue. When the people of a nation stop seeking the good and are principally concerned with military or economic greatness or personal affluence, then they'll come under the judgment of God or the moral law. And at this time in our history, many of us think America is on the brink, if not already, beginning to undergo divine judgment. I'm Al Creston.